Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a fit-for-work podcast where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. Hey, Curtis. Today, we have Denise Reeves. She's the founder of Balanced You, and she's going to be talking to us today about mindfulness. And mindfulness is a very interesting topic to bring up in a injury prevention podcast. But one of the things that I love that Denise goes through is she talks about how there is a deep correlation between living a safer, better life and mindfulness and how those two are much more correlated than one might think. Yeah, she definitely talks about running out of that energy that we all have and maybe hitting that wall and how that stress can then affect you. But some very easy, simple, timeless solutions for those stressful situations. Thank you, Denise, for joining us today. And we're excited to go over this topic of mindfulness with you. So if you can give our audience a little background information on you and how you became an expert in the subject of mindfulness. Great. Thank you for having me, Amber and Curtis. So I got into the sort of practice of yoga and meditation over 30 years ago, and I got into it slowly, as most people do, because I was working uh, very, very long hours, both in uh, the consumer goods industry, as well as the high tech industry, and running on steam with long hours, some travel, really demanding timelines, and then on top of it, having a family, which kind of just was the icing on the cake. I became overwhelmed and burned out. And it started actually really through a commitment just to feel better in my body. So a little bit more towards fitness, to be honest. And then at the same time, I got into yoga as a regular practice. And in that time frame, it was a fitness practice. And then moved into mindfulness. And what I found was it was a slow path of exploration and then further investigation and certification. But through this, I learned how to create more harmony and balance and energy within myself when times got stressful. That's amazing. And especially this year filled with all of these COVID-related issues, and that adds a whole other level of stress onto life. But typically during a normal year, do you find a pattern when people generally feel more stressed or there's an overall increase in mental health issues? Absolutely. So what I found, and I think if everyone here pauses and looks at themselves and everyone in the audience takes a moment, when we have too many things seemingly hitting us at once, some form of maybe I'll call it worry or overthinking occurs. So let's give some just general examples of things that I've noticed within me and maybe some of you can relate to. I'm busy and now we're going on a vacation when we used to do more vacations or the house is being sold or there's moving involved or Maybe you're in a period where you're feeling stressed with money. So you're worrying a lot about that. Or maybe somebody in your family is sick. So if we all pause for a moment, we can see that these are what we would call normal occurrences in the human lifestyle, right? And if you ponder are often occurrences that can, depending on you, lead to an increased feeling of stress. So I guess I ask you, can you see how that might happen? Not even in a COVID time, 
and how that might operate in your lifestyle? Oh my gosh. Every day. (laughs) Like uh, just last week. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So I'll call those in quotes, normal life occurrences. And yet, can you see how maybe the one or two of those are really related to you and it could bring you stress? So let me just take a moment and pause. So what is it that brought you the stress? The stress has to do in those times, whatever the trigger was in that lifestyle moment of lots of thinking about what is going to occur most likely in the future. And often we are creating scenarios. Worst case, best case, it doesn't matter. We're creating scenarios. And just the thought of a scenario can start to add stress when in fact nothing's happened yet. Are you following me? Oh my gosh. You haven't moved yet. Yeah. Or even let's just say maybe you've got a very sick child or your mother-in-law or parent is sick, but you're already playing the worst case scenario in your head. Or even trying to pay the bill, you know, thinking that far ahead of, you know, the bills coming in stuff, just the money part that you mentioned also. Yes. It's a very big stressor. Mm -hmm. So what I want to point out here is when we're operating now, based on something in the future. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. I'm just pointing it out right now with this question. When we're operating in this moment of now, worrying about all these future scenarios, we are starting to develop a load of stress on the body. And it is a biochemical reaction because what's happening is there are thoughts and they're going into the brain and there's a physical reaction happening in the body And a lot of that's happening through chemicals and hormones being released into our system. So I won't go into the biology of all that now, but I do want your listeners to understand that the chronic worrying or thinking about something that's not happening now is impacting the physical body. That is a really great message that our brain is able to affect us by playing out scenarios that haven't even occurred yet. And i don't think most people give that enough kind of credit or realization that that's what's happening. That's just, that's hitting me really strongly right now. So thank you for pointing that out. So how do you view or frame stress as good or bad or what's its place in our life? Okay, so there's different stresses. So there's the biological stressors and we call that the sort of fight or flight. And this is where it's amazing humans. So um, if, you ha- if you don't know a personal story, you know, there are humans that their child was, and I mean, God help you, but unfortunately, like a car wheel goes over a child and there are stories where mothers have lifted up the back of a car to pull out that child. That's because of the chemical reaction. They've gotten such boost of adrenaline, they can pick it up. And that's meant biologically in the moment. And that's a healthy response. That's an acute stress response moment. But chronic stress is different. Sometimes acute So acute stress has this sort of hope in it. That's when she picks up the car or we do something, you know, just something to save a life. Then there's the other form of acute stress, which also feels like that same, it's the same amount of energy, but it happens from a place of hopelessness, not hope. If that replays in the body too frequently, it becomes chronic and you're still busting out the chemical reaction that you did in that fight or flight situation. But this time the body's not recuperating. So that acute stress is good. It's biologically good. 
the chronic stress, the ongoing stress, if not understood and tools aren't taken to, and I use this term reprogram very much like a computer because you're running on some thought loops, most likely. If that isn't reprogrammed over the long term, that stress leads to lots of conditions that affect us, like not only physical conditions, so you can't sleep, you can have bad skin, can have high blood pressure. I mean, it's a part of diabetes. There are a lot of physical conditions and then emotional conditions such as depression or just living in a state of anxiety, which we have a lot more of these days. It always amazes me or just really sticks out how much computers and the human mind have in common. So, you know, for example, whenever something's going wrong with the computer, my brother always says, well, have you reset it? Have you <laughs> restarted it? And same thing with my cell phone. If it's ever acting buggy or weird, turn it off and turn it back on. And it's amazing how much better everything works. And it usually fixes the those kind of little buggy issue or problems. So what you're saying is we need to have a reset period planned into our time, correct? Yes. Denise, you know, I'm I'm just thinking about actually a friend of mine, as you're saying all this, you know, you, you describe this normal, and these are all the normal situations. And Curtis and I unanimously and quickly agreed with you that those are definitely normal situations. But there are some people that are very futuristic, and they mind constantly goes to the future. They're kind of always looking at that next scenario and looking into those next stage. My guess is that they're in this chronic stage even more. What are some ways that we can combat this and reboot or reprogram, as you said, our minds to get out of this chronic stage? Before we go there, I want to talk a little bit about one more thing. So this person who's living in the future has most likely a lot of expectations. These expectations are not happening now. They're based on something better than what is happening right now, usually. And within that, there's a lot of judgment. So I'm going to pause and just give your audience a quick definition of mindfulness, if that's okay. And mindfulness is a practice of simply paying attention to what's going on. Most likely, it's going to be your thoughts in the beginning, in the present moment, without any judgment, just seeing them. And then it's added, and this is a famous man named John Kabat-Zinn's definition that I tend to use because I relate to it. There are other definitions, as if your life depends upon it. What is happening most likely is when we're expecting something in the future, you, there's a form of judgment going on there. And that judgment is that what's happening is not good or what will happen is better. Does that make sense? Yeah. When we look at practices, the first practice would be to say, note, and, and this is a practice in mindfulness and we call it noting, like you were taking a note and the note is my mind's in the future again. And there are ways to kind of label that note. You might say something like, oh, I'm not good enough or noting planning, noting helpless noting needing to fix. The reason we do this is because you want to bring to the attention of the conscious mind an unconscious pattern. And that's the practice of noting. So that was one practice. Denise, just say that, that statement was so profound to me. Can you just, just repeat that again, bringing to mind the pattern, the pattern, okay. The pattern of what 
this future, or maybe you're looking in the past, Mm -hmm. but you're not in the moment. You're not now. What you note, what's going on. Often this is around an emotion, but it could be something else. But yeah, you know, like, you know, definitely um, some people are planners, right? Some people are judging, right? And they're judging. What if your child, you know, is sitting home doing video games instead of homework. And you think to yourself, that's no good. And she'll never, or he'll never do the next thing in their lives. And what is this coming to? And you know, all the story that you create, right? You would note that all of that is what might be called in sort of a colloquial way, future tripping. All right. My interest is peaked. Future tripping. What does that mean? Tripping out on some future scenario that's not true. (laughs) Ah, no, that's interesting. So it's taking time to get wound up about something that hasn't even really happened yet. So just because my child's playing video games now doesn't mean they're going to be a high school dropout or a bum for the rest of their life. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So this is the idea that you are kind of calling out your thoughts, right? You are challenging your thoughts or engaging your thoughts. You're not just letting your thoughts go on and flow without any sort of effort. So it's not passive. You're now being an active participant in your thoughts. That's what you're doing. Yes, it's owning it. And that's a way to, let me be really clear. There is, and I, I put this in quotes, I call this the magic because what happens, and I know this personally from this work, as we start to call up these very false limiting beliefs that we hold and see that they're actually, and I'm going to be really bold with this statement, a lie that our mind has created in the moment, when we can call them out, the magic is, it's like you almost caught them in the lie. It actually starts to erase it within the system. So by taking the time to address it, the lie loses its power, basically, or it kind of fizzles away because as we actively engage and think about it, we are able to more clearly see that it's not true. And that, that, that is really cool. That is powerful. So now you've been saying that you've done this for over 30 years. And have you seen a correlation between a person's mindfulness and their safety or their likeliness to get hurt? You know, just to kind of relate this topic of mindfulness to the topic of the podcast, which is injury prevention. Yes. When we are present, and I'll go again if we have a chance through the four pillars of getting more present, but when we are present, let's talk about what happens. When you are living in the moment, I'm going to give you a real life example of what happened yesterday and where presence came in. But when we are present, we take that which is happening in the moment as it is approaching us, just there. And it's like we've all heard of an athlete being in the zone. I know I have a cousin who was a very, very good rugby player and he would play all over the world. And he would recount when he played that there were times when the whole game slowed down and he saw the ball in slow-mo and was able to catch it. That's hyperpresence. So when we take this back to the workplace and injuries, when you have a developed mindfulness practice, you are going to be A, which I've just stated, more present, but B, you're going to be more acutely aware of your surroundings. So the, the human error, it doesn't mean it won't happen, but when it happens, you'll be exactly in the place to deal with it in what I call a more flow or streamlined way. 
The other thing is that the byproduct of this stress, which is affecting the body and thus affects the mind clarity, right? We all know what a foggy mind feels like. I mean, this isn't woo-woo. I mean, this is real clarity of mind. We are in the long term going to be absolutely clearer and more in touch with the body. And I, and I, well, I will get to this because I do want to talk about the four pillars. And that body as well is a sensory organ, right? And we use all of our senses to operate effectively in the moment. It's not just our thinking mind. I mean, when something happens, we all know when someone comes in the room and they're in a bad mood, boom, we feel that energy, right? It's the same thing. So we need the whole system. I say that mind, body, senses, the whole thing to be what you'd call on point, just like an athlete. And so the practice allows us to what I say, get really present and hone in to the environment. And without a doubt, productivity increases. Without a doubt, also what I call in the moment, flexibility and just fluidity happens when we have developed a mindful practice and when we are starting to bring it into our daily lives. Because frankly, that's what this is about. It's about moving from what I'd call a practice, which maybe happens in the beginning, a little bit on your own at, you know, when you take a deep breath and all of that to operating right here, right now. A quick break in our interview to talk about safety compliance and something that's also cool is on-demand safety compliance. So what do I mean by that? Fit for Work understands that no one professional can house all the necessary areas of safety knowledge and skills needed to keep your facility and organization compliant. We also understand that in addition to budgetary constraints, uh, the need to be compliant is not a one-time thing. This is why in addition to our core per-project consulting services, we also also offer very affordable safety subscription services to allow your team to have an ongoing partner in safety compliance. Whether you're just getting started or improving on a more seasoned safety program, our experts are here to provide compliance solutions that will both prevent injuries and improve productivity. Get a hold of us by visiting our website, wellworkforce.com and clicking on connect with us to learn more. A lot of our workers and and listeners as site safety professionals are hoping for is people to be mindfully present right now (laughs) and not, you know, rushing through things or thinking about we've got 10 minutes to lunch or, you know, and things like that. It's definitely something that that isn't just important for the stress reduction, as we talked earlier, but also to keep people's mind on the task and and long road truckers and, and construction workers and I mean, I can definitely see how this can be applicable for for everybody's safety and not just overall health. So you mentioned that the pillars, if you want to go back and tell us all about those pillars. The first one is simply body and breath. Why? Because many people are so stuck in their thinking minds. What you want to do is to make sure that, and I mentioned this before, I use my body just as much as I'll use my head to sense out a situation. So the practices for that are simply, the first one would be breath. And breath is often never thought through. We just, oh, I'm breathing. So there is there are many, many, breath has been an integral part in history in human culture, yet very little has been documented on it. But recently there has been a little more coming out. And the big takeaway, so you guys don't have to read all the books, is that the simple five count in, five count out breath 
So inhale with your mouth closed through your nose. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five. And that simple practice of feeling the breath go into the lower belly and out brings us right into the present moment. So that would be, so that's the first. And then the other thing is body. And body is about starting to feel. So the practice that I recommend for beginners is just to say to yourself, if you have a moment, and this could be literally, I have 45 seconds. I am going to breathe into my stomach or I'm feeling some anxiety in my chest. I'm going to breathe into the anxiety. It's like, it's kind of like you see it. There's the noting. I see anxiety in my chest. Breathe in one, two, three, four, five. I noted it. Exhale. So the first pillar of mindfulness is body breath. The second pillar is what we call a feeling tone. Your feeling is what's going on right now, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. That's it. So the situation usually has an energy to it. And you note that. The third pillar is actually emotions and thoughts. You know, you don't even have to know, but like maybe you're saying now, okay, you had this anxiety, right? You just know it, you breathe into your anxiety. This feels unpleasant. And now you say, how do, is there an emotion here? Or what's the thought around this anxiety? Again, a great place to note, this isn't about fixing anything now. It's just about seeing what's going on. And then the fourth, which can take a while to even get to, and my suggestion is to write these down if you can later, just so you don't forget. The last thing you would do is say, is there a pattern here? So a great idea, example of that would be, it's before the holidays and my mother-in-law is coming. And when my mother-in-law comes, this and this and this and this happens. Oh my gosh, it's going to be a horrible holiday again. Or she's going to do this again. Maybe it won't be horrible, but she's going to do this again. Most likely there's a pattern there. So what you can do is note that. And the four pillars again, body, breath, feeling, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. What thought do I have with what emotion? And maybe that's where you end, or maybe you say, is there a pattern here? These pillars are really powerful. So when our listeners think of meditation, or when I think when most people think of meditation, they think of, oh, it's this long process and you have to be in total silence and there's the, the burning incense in the background or something like that. But what you're saying is that this can be done anywhere, whether it's on a lunch break or even just walking into work or at the assembly line, correct? Correct. So sometimes when I've worked with people who are busy or who are just in their head a lot, I just encourage them to take a moment, if they can, jot on a scrap of paper, something, and then maybe before they go to bed, like forget the pattern, right? Maybe before you go to bed or in the evening or when you're on the toilet, who cares, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not the cell phone. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, not the cell phone, but no, not the cell phone, because that's again, that mind, but take out that piece of paper and then maybe ponder, is there a pattern here? The pondering of the pattern part in mindfulness is considered more advanced, I'll be honest, but I feel that people who are ready for this message are ready to do, take a look at it. And don't start with the big heavy things in your life. Don't start with that trauma moment. I mean, that takes a lot to unpack. And that's kind of what we're doing, right? We're unpacking it by saying, oh, I see you. So it's usually better just to hit these, not that they're smaller, but the things that aren't going, just start start at a level in a one to 10 scale is one, one of my teachers said, on a one to 10 scale on how intense this is for you, start at a five, okay? 
And that can be fairly intense for some people too. I was when you were talking there, I was thinking, you know, just start with the the daily sure. things, the things that you, you know, notice more of in that daily recognition, even, you know, and, and some people do notice, you know, every time I come into work, I feel anxious, or every time I come into work, my shoulder starts hurting or something. I'm I'm even thinking yes. that it, because one of the pillars goes back to that body part, you know, uh, Curtis and I on site deal a lot with employees, aches and pains for lack of, of better, you know, soreness and, and discomfort that they have while at work. And I'm thinking that in recognition of the body, if you can recognize, gosh, my shoulder's feeling sore today, maybe if I take start doing a, a breathing of a count to five, re kind of focus your mind on something else. It, it might even help out with some of these these aches and pains and not just stress in in the mind, but body too. So let me add to that, because that's a great point you just brought up. We actually know that stress will lodge itself in something like a shoulder, which I think is completely interesting and cool. Very interesting and cool. (laughs) That the body will actually harbor physically in the form of aches and pains, mental stress. Not that this is an exact science, because we know it isn't, but Sometimes we have a shoulder issue because of, you know, repetitive physical work, right? I I understand that. But sometimes there might be actually something deeply lodged in your system. You know, even sitting there and saying, okay, I walked into work and that shoulder just suddenly felt like it was aching. Okay. So that's, and you kind of say, this is interesting. And you don't have to figure it out, but you're acknowledging it. What was I feeling? There's that emotional component. The body gives me an infant. So body, right? Body, shoulder is hurting. Okay, breathe into the shoulder. Then you can go onward to the next pillar. How am I feeling in my shoulder? Mm, Unpleasant. What am I thinking when I walk into work? What emotion comes up? Maybe there's angst. I don't know, right? Angst. You don't have to figure that out either. Just angst. You might say, and I don't know. So now I'm going hypothetical here, but you might say, my boss is going to do X, Y, Z again, or say X, Y, Z again to me today. And you just identified a pattern, right? You haven't, you've just walked into the, walked in, nothing's happened yet. You're just walking in the door, but you had an emotion and a thought. And what normal people do is they shove that whole thing under the rug, that thought, and, and they look stoic and they look like they're nothing, nothing is going on. It is going on. They've just put it under the rug and they walk into their day and they have not seen a pattern. And so they will relive this again. And again, kind of how the system works is super interesting. So let me give you an example for the working person. And now I know everyone's situation, but yesterday I had two meetings where, because we're in this environment where I had to call in on uh, Microsoft Teams with different companies and I can't log into Teams. Now I'm presenting. Oh yeah. I've had that before. (laughs) Yeah. We could could write a book about our technical difficulties. (laughs) So, So I can't log in. And I'm presenting. And it was fascinating because I'm like, oh, can't log in. And I did not react in the way that I might have in the past. I saw clearly that I was having issues. I logically, you know, messaged the person saying I'm not logging in. We tried two or three things and agreed that I would call in on one meeting. And on the other meeting, just turned around and moved to a different platform because we could. The older me, before she really had taken this mindfulness stuff seriously, would have been anxious. And I'll tell you why I would have been anxious because I'm not showing up the way I expect myself to show up. 
This might not be professional, but these are what I call the stories the mind plays. And this is real life stuff happening yesterday. Right, because this is basically, a con- it's like a continual battle or a lifelong commitment. It's not a, hey, I did it once, I was mindful this once, I'm good. It's something we have to practice throughout our lifetime because we will face these types of challenges in our lives and we can't stop them from happening, but we can learn how to change how we react to them or how our mind is addressing them. I actually was so grateful at the end of the day when I pondered and I knew that I was being present because uh, usually that if I have an anxious moment, because I had that story going on, I will feel it in the pit of my stomach or I'll feel it in my chest. And I was like, check, nothing. Wow. That's what I said to myself. Wow. This is so cool. So it's not like suddenly life doesn't bring me something. Of course it does. It's how the individual is interacting with that present moment. Well, our time definitely has been well spent, and thank you so much for your your insights and your knowledge on this. So if our listeners want to learn more, can you let them know where they can go to reach out to get more information? You can email me and check out my website, which has the same name. So my website is yourbalancedyou.com. That's Y-O-U-R-B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D. Y-O-U.com. And my email is denise at yourbalancedyou.com. So feel free to reach out and I'd love to address this more with anyone interested. Well, I think we can say this was a mindfully positive experience. And thank you again, Denise, for all of your knowledge and sharing it with us. My pleasure. We're so thankful that Denise could join us for this interview, and we really hope that you guys got as much out of it as we did. Curtis and I have been reflecting on the interview, and something that I took away here is that it takes a millisecond. It takes a, you know, it doesn't even take a second to do that noting that she was talking about, where you, you know, kind of take inventory of how you're feeling right now. Whether it's when you're driving and heading to work and you're like, oh gosh, I am anxious, I'm rushing, I'm late, you know, okay, recognition of that is going back to that saying of, you know, knowing is half the battle type of the thing. And so once you know that that's your state, you can take a few deep breaths or, you know, the the breathing of a count to five, like she talked about. It can be easy, simple. So when you're driving to work, a delivery runner for one of uh, our clients or even working on the line and kind of relating that back to something I did bring up during the interview, my shoulder is sore today or my wrist is sore today. Just that recognition of it. Let's take a deep, a couple deep breaths. Let's see if this is tied to some stressful situations or kind of an actual anatomy situation. I also think it drives home the message that the brain is incredibly complex and powerful. You know, it's not that our thoughts just stay as a thought. Those thoughts have amazing power and abilities to do things that affect our body. Our thoughts controls our breathing. You know, stressful thoughts will lead to how we breathe differently, as well as what chemicals are released. So, challenging our thoughts as opposed to just sitting in our thoughts is something we can all do because we all know that this is an incredibly stressful time and taking that time to challenge our thoughts. I just, that was so powerful of not letting the thoughts just be accepted for whatever they are. So really great message. And I just want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen 
medicine and to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments. And remember, prevention improves lives.